पात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Read it. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin, and I'm your host, Jennifer Lovely, and I've got a group together tonight. Um, decided uh, on Jeff Harris's suggestion. That hi. We were... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jeff Harris of Fanboy News Network. Network. And we've got... I'm Rise Hall of the Villain Edit. And... Jillian Venters of GothicCharmSchool.com. Yeah, so... Um, kind of playing off uh, the Horror 101 that I did um, a couple of months ago, Jeff had a great suggestion of either expanding on that or doing horror tropes. Well, it came from uh, when I we were talking about this. Uh, what I brought up is when I had listened to that episode, uh, you and Michael had gone in a route I would not have necessarily taken because you were going more by era. Um. And I would have taken it from the point of view of, I would have given examples of what makes good horror, and I would have focused on what are the tropes, what are the cliches. And that's what triggered you, horror tropes, we can do horror tropes, which I think is a great way to go about it. Because this way we can also talk about what's good horror tropes. And what are bad horror tropes. Yes. (laughs) I have examples of both of those. Yeah, I think we all do. We're yeah, all yeah. pretty literate on horror films. <laughs> <laughs> so, outside of that, what have people seen lately? I haven't gotten out of the theaters a lot. The last movie I saw theatrically was uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Yeah. Which was just me having bubblegum fun. Uh, fun. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, the, the best thing I've seen film-wise recently was actually the last horror movie night. In that we did a rewatch of Halloween, which I think is going to really inform today's episode. My because... first time ever watching Halloween. So. Oh, and, and it's this. I got this Scream Factory um, set um, that they just redo everything in this. Ad. It, it is more beautiful than Halloween ever deserved to look. Scream Factory does beautiful work. They do. Yeah, they do. Uh, so there was that. Um, I am. Not watching much horror lately. Um, we are uh, there, and it's hard because there are movies out there that I keep seeing people talking about. Um, everybody's had really interesting things to say about Gerald's Game. Um, mm-hmm. I started watching it, and it made me really unhappy. Yeah, that's not a movie for you. Mm-hmm. It, it made me really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I was like, um, no. <laughs> I didn't finish the book. Yeah. So I finished the movie. But hardcore. I am. You I am. Are. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but what I have been is I've been watching some documentaries. So Jen's, Jen's doc- documentary. Wait. <laughs> One, two, three. Jen's documentary corner. So um, I watched Suited. There is a company out in New York that does um, suits for transgender individuals or gender non-conforming individuals. Oh, I didn't know there was a documentary about. Oh them. my god, it's beautiful. And I had a friend who um, said a only started up a couple of years ago. And they had a competition um, where you would, you know, 
take a picture of yourself in a suit and people would vote on them. And I, I can't remember if they were actually um, the suits from the company or it was just, you know, and anyway, my friend Kat, um, like I just decided I was going to make it my mission to make sure she won this competition. So we had a certain number of times you could vote each day and then every 24 hour period you could vote again. And I had a, uh, I, I said a, <laughs> a, a scheduler oh, yeah. to remind me to log in. And I mean, I logged in on weekends and <laughs> she won. Good. <laughs> so she got one of their suits, but it was beautiful. And it, you know, there was just seeing, it's so much about um, finding your place in the world. And as someone who has, whose weight has changed significantly um, over the last 20 years. Um, one of the hardest things is you have to love yourself at whatever you're at, but one of the things that can make you not love yourself is having everything be uncomfortable mm -hmm. or not flattering for your type, your, your body type. And a lot of these people all could not buy anything off the rack because their bodies don't fit the norm. Right. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. run into that. Yeah. Um, if you are a plus size woman, there was, things are getting much better now. Yes, mm -hmm. they are. But there was a time when you went to the dress barn and the dress barn sold you a moo-moo. Yeah. And maybe and, and if the you only could thing belt I do it would yeah. be acceptable, maybe, yeah. but they yeah. were all really ugly. And the problem also is, too, is um, there's, uh, what is the fashion show where they make the clothing? Oh, Project Runway. Project Runway. Um, the primary guy in that has complained that with plus size, that they just make them bigger. They just scale the pattern up. They don't take it. <clears throat> Considering. Well, yeah, the proportions might no. change, now, anything like that. This season on Project Runway, they're doing something really interesting. Every model is a dramatically different body type. Yeah. Good. And each designer gets to work with each model. Oh, that's So they all amazing. have to make clothes for different body types yeah. and design them to fit them. And there have been some amazing looks. There's this one model that's just, she's like nine feet tall, and she's just this amazing-looking, larger African-American woman. And she, during one of the challenges, someone got sent home because they're like, well, I had to put that pet woman on there to disguise her stomach. And they're, the judges were like, why are you trying to disguise her? This is a beautiful woman. Yeah. And it was like so, for me, as a larger woman... It was so, it made me so happy to hear someone actually say that. Yes. Stop trying to disguise her. She's a beautiful woman. It yes. was great. Yeah. So. And so just seeing people putting on clothing that fits them that and makes them, them feel and made, right. made them feel like how they feel in their hearts. That's and so important. That's it, so it's just important. a beautiful documentary. So I heartily recommend it. It's called Suited. Uh, the other one that I watched is getting mixed reviews um, because uh, it is the death and the life of Marsha P. Johnson. Oh, yeah. And it is the it's... documentary that was done by HBO. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because um, the, the woman who is doing a real lion's share of the work to try and find out what happened to Marsha... Uh, and it did feel, the documentary itself felt a little rough, um, and I can be pretty forgiving of that when it comes to documentaries. I think more so than I do when it comes to um, fiction and, and movies where they're telling a story. But uh, but what it's running into is it is the story of, of a transgender individual, but it is being told by 
cis men and women. Right. And the approach is different, and it, it, it becomes also, more about her death and less about her life. Right, and there's also the controversy about the... Though it was originally going to be made by a trans woman. Yes. And she submitted a grant proposal, and one of the people that reviewed that grant proposal is the cis white man who went on to direct that movie. Oh, so he's like, you so had a great idea. You had a great idea. I'm yeah. not giving you this grant. I'm making this movie. And wow. Yeah. So that's, I really that's want even to watch worse. it. I'm fascinated by it. But, uh, and again, this is just stuff I've read on the internet. No, I don't no. know for sure what the and there's also is, but another, I have heard that. Yes, and it, it is definitely getting, um, there are definite issues with it. And uh, there is a, um, a movie that is coming out um, within the next year or so uh, that is more a fictionalized telling of her story. Um, that is being done by the transgender community. Good. So, good. You know, so there be, will be that too. Well, it's always good to have multiple viewpoints. On exactly. Like that. Exactly. And I really want to watch that documentary. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. No, it's really good. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, but it is primarily about her death. Um, it is primarily about um, the struggle that they have had in trying to. Um, in, in desperately trying to get the police or anyone involved to, they rule it as a suicide. Right. Uh, and they're refusing to acknowledge anything else, and nobody at the time would do anything. Nobody will now will do anything. Right. Because uh, they just don't care, because transgender women of color are being, have been being murdered maliciously. For and so long, and it's such a high decades. rate. Yeah. Yes, and... and it's just, it, it's horrific, and it's something they just aren't fixing, and so. Yeah. But that is that is the problem, is it's primarily about her death and about the struggle to find out what happened with it versus Martha's life is amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, forewarning for anyone who is transgender or has uh, family or close friends that are transgender, um, they do a lot of interviews with her family who um, misidentify her, misgender her. Oh, yeah. Through the entire movie. That's, um, yeah. And so... I wish I could say that was a surprise. Yeah, it's But, not. yeah. So, um, but, you know, yeah. uh, Jim and I also watched Atomic Blonde last night. Oh, I which saw you watch is, is it good? I had fun watching it, um, though it... There's... Speaking of fucking tropes! Yeah! <laughs> okay. And, and... I don't... Okay, spoilers on Atomic Blonde. Uh, she meets this... A hot, gorgeous, young female spy from France, and of course... There is a sex scene. I know, I saw it in the commercials. That was well done. Um, <laughs> huh. I've seen the gifts on Tumblr. Do yes. you need a cool towel? Um, but in order to... Yes, I need a fan and a cool, a cool towel. Um, she is murdered. Oh, that's right. It's the, it's, it's the it's, dead lesbian trope. Yeah. Ah. Well, you've covered and one so, of the tropes I'll be covering later in the episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. But... Speaking of, but yeah. it's, it, it's, it was really fucking frustrating. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Bury your gaze yeah. is, mm-hmm. is, is a common name of that so, trope. So, uh, what have you been watching lately? Um, I've been re-watching Penny Dreadful. <laughs> when I can steal the TV away from my husband who's playing either Destiny or Elite Dangerous, so. Understandable. Yeah, there's some negotiation that goes on in our house, so. Did you hear, um... 
uh, two of them are going to be at Emerald City Comic Con this year. Uh, um, uh, Dorian Gray and um, what's her name from Doctor Who? Billy oh, Piper? Billy no, Piper. There was a Steamposium. Steamposium. Oh, Steamposium. Which sorry. is great because Steamposium is, from what I've heard, often underattended, so you'll get to actually spend time talking to them if you go. Right. I was actually impressed. This I have Steam bits Posey of knowledge. Doctor. I just put them all together improperly. That's all right. But that's, that's why fine. I have all y'all. Yes. <laughs> Communally. We are a well, communal being. I, I feel bad that I didn't realize that comic convention was happening last weekend with Doug Jones. Otherwise, you might have had a chance for your hug. You would have had it. You can't escape his hug. He's a hugger. I, it is a life goal to hug Doug. Just walk past him. He's got those long arms. They're like tentacles. They swoop out and hug you. <laughs> See, your your life goal about the horror genre seems much more reasonable than mine, which is I want to go through the Haunted Mansion with Guillermo de Toro. I want to hug Guillermo de Toro. So I apparently you can want hug him while hugs. you're waiting in line for the Haunted Mansion. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay, my my monster life goal is just to be able love to go into Guillermo del Toro's awesome house when he's not there and dust. <laughs> just, I'm not going to mess with anything. I'll just dust it so that I can look at every single little thing, right? Yeah. And then everything will be fine. <laughs> So is there anything else? Other than, I've been watching, so that's the problem, is I've been just watching a ton of television. And it's television that you won't give. Oh, oh, yes, except for one thing. I've watched the first two episodes of Lore, um, which I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Um, the first one is is exceptional. The second one is upsetting. Um, it is about the doctor who basically created the the ice pick style. Oh, oh, I know all about him. Yeah. I've read also read a lot about him too. Of course, not enough to actually remember his name off the top of my head right now. I know, I don't, but I, I should know it. There's a great um, uh, documentary about him just called The Lobotomist. I think it was an American have, Experience documentary. I might have watched it. Very interesting. And then the first, the first one is about Mercy Brown, right? Exactly. Yes. The the vampire of New England, who her a bunch of people in the family died of tuberculosis, mm-hmm. and the father was told that if you if you Exhume one of them and cut out their heart and burn the ashes and then eat the ashes. People will stop dying. Yes, and so he had Worth one son. He had one son that was that was still living, but he was he was on death's door. Right, oh, and so God. they dug it up, found that Mercy had not um, decayed decayed in any way. So of course it was a fucking winter. That might have I don't know had something to do with it that she died in the winter time nope, and they had to yeah no vampire. Um, you know nothing about medicine. <laughs> But uh, the one thing that got me with that angered, and, and the thing is, and then uh, the third one, which I've just started but I haven't finished, is uh, Changelings and how often um, it was used as a defense of why they killed, killed their, their wife, child, their or, child or their wife. Yep. Um, and it, it struck me with these lore stories how many of them are taking um, violence against women and, and, and fictionalizing, and, and fictionalizing yes. women, uh, right. either being dangerous or. You know, and the, but the thing is, that was one of the things that really got to me because I'm actually reading um, a book right now called "The Lives They Left Behind," um, which is uh, there was a uh, an asylum, and uh, basically, at any time a a patient was left in the asylum, uh, they would take their suitcase and just put it up in the attic because they really didn't get to keep any of their things. Mm-hmm. And so after it was closed down, somebody went up, they were just going to tear it down. And he went up there and saw all of these rotting suitcases that was, had yeah, all of their mementos. I've read, that. I've, I've read about that. I didn't know there was a book about it. It's really, really good. And, and it kind of, um, it, 
it put me in that same vein that was angering me with the lobotomy story because so much of the time, and then also, um, I just watched a little thing on uh, Roosevelt, um, the the daughter who had the the wild swings yeah. that they lobotomized her also. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the point uh, that I was really really careening all over the place to get to is I was getting really frustrated because so much of the time it was used to subdue women who were uppity. Uppity. Outspoken. Outspoken or prone to depression Mm -hmm. or Disagreed with their parent or husband. Yeah, and so it was just used as a... Red novels. You know, but then... (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was used as a tool to make them docile. And the more you read about that, the angrier you become. Yes. So, anyway, so... What have you watched recently? Um, let's see. I've been watching some horror films. I watched a 1972 made-for-television movie called Brotherhood of Satan. <gasps> How was it? Well, the devil did win. Okay, excellent. A friend of mine asked me to make a list of movies where the devil wins, and I thought that he did in that one, but I wasn't sure. But it wasn't very good, and I fell asleep that is, behind that is... the black mass. Uh, if you we fall have asleep... talked about doing a, the devil won. If you fall asleep at the height of the Black Mass, it's not a very good horror film. <laughs> no. Although, there, I mean, we I think we all have a, a shared The Devil One movie that we all love, but I almost don't want to name it because it's kind of a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so I watched Brotherhood Satan. Then I followed that up with a movie about a girl that is in a private um, boarding... She's in a boarding school... And she has this best female friend, and this other new girl comes, and the new girl is weird and steals her best friend away, and then her friend starts getting sicker and sicker and stops eating. Which one is this? Uh, it's called The Moth Diaries. <gasps> oh, I wanted to see that. It's okay. It's not great. It feels very much like it's a young adult film. Yeah. That's fine. Like, maybe it's an adaptation of a young adult book. Hmm. I liked it, but I wouldn't say that I'm going to go out of my way to watch it again. <laughs> Um, I watched The Creep. I've heard Creep. It's, uh, yeah, it's a... Is it the one where he puts an ad in the paper? A guy puts an ad in the paper. He's like, I have brain cancer and I want someone to help me record my life so I can leave it to my unborn child. But the guy's just creepy. It gets creepier and and creepier and creepier. creepier. I I like how it turned kind of the trope on its ear. I kind of liked it. I didn't think that it was... But, right. it, but it also really upset me. It made me really uncomfortable. Oh, was that one of the fan footage webcam? Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, And then he's filming because he wants to document the, his end of days. Right. And... Yeah, and it, it it's a little messed up. It's, it's a lot um, of messed up. There's a movie that just recently <laughs> came out that I'm dying to see, and I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. The Lure. I want to see Is it. Is that the Polish it is mermaid? A Polish, it is an alternate universe Poland where two <laughs> vampire mermaids yes. join a glam rock band. If and it shows anywhere stars. locally, we are going. It came out on Criterion Disc, okay. so it's a really fancy disc. Okay. I desperately want to watch it with you guys. Yes. Um, and I, I can bring it home from work. I made you guys watch the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it looks crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm very oh. excited about it. On a different note, um, what was the movie that you suggested that was the Victorian um, we watched the trailer for it. Um, the Lodgers? The Lodgers. Uh, people are watching oh, yeah, that, that in, yes, 
people have watched that at um, film festivals and are speaking really highly of it. Does, so. Is there a release date for it yet? Do we know? The website had nothing. I periodically check the website. Um, so I haven't seen a release date come up for it. But it may still be in the festival circuit. Yeah, it is circuit. Have you guys circuit. seen the trailers for the Winchester movie? Yes. Oh, Speaking of movies that look so gothic I, that we yeah, have to I go see it. them immediately. But my Wait, isn't it Helen Mirren? Too? Yes, it is Helen yes. Mirren. But my one objection is going on the trailer. They're going. They're going for jump scare stuff. Yeah, there's like and, some jump scares in the trailer, and I'm and like, oh come on! I really up? wanted them to do an unsettling, quiet mm-hmm. horror story of basically how this poor woman is losing her mind. She's losing her mind and being taken advantage of by by frogs in the spiritualist movement. Yeah, yeah. So that's well, that movie is still available to be made. Yeah, we'll do that next weekend. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll borrow a camera. It's great. Wait, I have one in my phone. There we go. <laughs> I've got the outfit. I can do it. Yeah. So, because uh, you were talking about creep earlier, um, this last week I listened to an interview with Jason Blum of Blumhouse. Oh yeah. And it was on the Nerdist, and it was just a great interview uh, with him talking about his theory of of the films he makes, and the creep was one of those. Right. Oh yeah, that was a Blumhouse film. I and, forgot. And his big thing is he he purposefully looks for things a that can be made on a micro budget. Right. Because he, he finds the creativity of that much better. But also... <laughs> but he, but he, he also will be the guy who will look at scripts that other people will ignore. Because they're like, oh, we, we would need to make this as a $20 million movie. And he, he has... A, it was an interesting interview. I'd say it's worth listening to just to kind of hear his theories on filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It gets a little uncomfortable because he when this was recorded and he was talking a lot about having worked for um, Weinstein. Yep. But, uh... Everybody worked for that guy and... Yeah. There's his tendrils yeah, really reach hard. everywhere. It uh, sucks, but... But it, it, it's just kind of been interesting to listen to, because to, he is still one of the prominent... I mean, he also made Insidious. And... Uh, Insidious is a good little horror film. I, yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, I've so. accidentally watched it like three times. Because <laughs> you forget you've well, seen yeah, it. Yeah, I forget I've seen it. And I'm like, this looks really familiar. And then I'm like 30 minutes in. And I'm like, oh, this is Insidious. And, and he's how we got Get Out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah, he's very cheap. But he also He will, picks some good projects. He if he pick... has a love for the genre, that's... Yeah. 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 That's important. Um, one last thing I'm going to mention is just because I, I brought up a book and I brought a, a, the TV show... Um, Jim was, uh, Handsome Boyfriend Jim has been digging up, um, as we are working on, as our group is working on a serialized, um, radio. The, the name is, you, it's, you can, it's a scripted serialized podcast. It yes. is. I mean, we've, we've mentioned it on yeah. other things. Family Skeletons. Well, Family Skeletons. And so he's been seeking out more storytelling, kind of creepy, and he found one that he, uh, uh he found one called Knife Point Horror, and I haven't listened to a bunch of them, but he said start with this one and then I, I listened to it it's called it's just called staircase and um it is super creepy and there's no effects there's no effects it is simply the guy telling the story yeah well, linda was talking awesome. about that and uh it was it's really well done and um it just starts out really casually except the story just kind of keeps going past where you think it's going to and um there's just it's so spartan right. um but it's still just amazing. So, I, but I haven't listened to any of the yeah, other ones. You know, so I can't okay. on them. Obviously, because uh, of the 
am interested in serialized podcasts, which is one of the reasons why we're making one. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to a lot of them, and, and the horror genre is interesting in there because a lot of people, you know, they it, it seems like a natural, and uh, but it's always that fine line of... Um, going too far. Going too far, but also where you're sorry, the, the best uh, ones I've heard from horror... Um, I, I still like the Black Tapes. But I really enjoyed the Black Tapes. But it's it's a riff off of the podcast Serial. Uh-huh. It's very much like Serial. Or mm-hmm. like um, S-Town, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, but Lore is, again, another one. Yeah. So, See, I've never been not... able to stay awake through a full episode of Lore. But the problem with Lore... Well, not the problem. Lore is... In, is, is Storytelling of actual events. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's just a, slow there's and a, there's a bit, and, and yeah. yeah. And I, I just find it. There's, there's like two podcasts that they just. I I feel relaxed and happy. One is criminal. It's this beautiful. This woman's voice is just like fucking butter, and and you just listen to it, and you're like, she's talking about horrible, horrible things, and you're like, oh, you could just tell these to me all day. And then um, Laura, I also really enjoy listening to. But um, Jim watched the very first episode of Laura, and he. As, as someone who has studied voice acting, he has this cadence and just a means of storytelling that Jim just fucking hates. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, yeah. no, he's terrible. And I'm like, says, you know, it says you. <laughs> so we had to be like, we need to take a time out because I like this a lot and you don't and that's okay. And that's okay. And I will never make you listen to another or watch another one of these if this is, you know, it's like one bad noise after another that you don't like. It's like there are certain bands that friends of mine love that I'm like, I can't listen to that person's voice. I know too much about vocal training. I know. Yep. You don't like Joy Division and I don't like Morrissey and it's for exactly the same reason. Your voice is just annoying. Bad fight. Bad fight. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, so anyway, tropes. tropes. So I want to focus first because I think I just want to gradually drift into the ones we don't like. But first, I, I, I like having a positive. It, absolutely. So, like, if, if you were just to, like, what's your favorite? Like, what do you just fucking love when it comes to, to horror tropes? I, I you are just, oh, you're grinning so gleefully. I, look, I embrace my cliches. Yeah, yeah. Everyone can predict what horror trope I am here for. I've got vampires, Jen! She, she, you, no. I pulled dibs on that, didn't you I? You did. When we, were, when we were discussing this, you went, I get the vampire tropes. <laughs> oh, like, mine, uh, mine are gothic tropes. Which tie in for vampires? Which tie read? in for vampires? There's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of crossover. But, like... If it's got a lady with a candlestick in a long white nightgown, you're at chances my house. are I'm in. <laughs> well, and and I'm such a fan of the classic horror mm-hmm. that uh, I, I look at a lot of classic horror movie and where the tropes and with the sh- visual shorthands. Yes. They mm-hmm. do. Uh, yeah. When we're talking about favorite, I mean the one. If if we want to go favorite, all right. Yeah, we do. Bring absolutely, hundred percent. The trope: nothing is scarier, which is the. I'm going to terrify you by not showing you anything. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you might hear something, and you get to guess what it was. Yep. And, I, and I think no movie does that better than The Haunting. Oh, yeah. I still cannot read The Haunting of Hill House after dark. <laughs> I mean, I love that book, but I cannot okay, read like, it after dark. I have on. never read that book. I've bought it three times, and my copies have vanished before I can get to them. Wow! Like I've moved, or they've been in a box that got wet, or something. And whatever has walks to them. there walks alone. <laughs> well, I know because the two the two scenes I'm thinking of are first in when the two women are in the bedroom, mm. 
and you What's, hear the noises you hear the yeah. And, yeah. and all that, but there's, you know, they're, and they're horrified. You're, the tension builds yeah. beautifully. Right, but there's just noises. Yeah. And yeah. then the other is when she's in bed and she who's feels, holding my who's hand? holding my hand? Because mm-hmm. she thinks it's her friend and then she realizes her friend's not there. Well, then who would, and who you don't see hand? anything, but no. the storytelling and the building yeah. Oh, I love that. Absolutely terrifying. And this now. is why I'm worried about the upcoming mini series that I want to say Netflix oh, or something. Yes, doing. yes. Because they're ex- There's somebody big doing it. Too. They're expanding the story. Sebastian Stan is in it, and I don't remember as what role, but they're expanding. <laughs> I, know I know the story, and I. I am really dubious about that because I don't think I the story also, needs well, to be expanded. I, I think the story is perfect. Also, and I worry that they'll do a lot like the remake fake. of Haunting of Hill House, which the, I wanted uh, to like so much. Oh, the effects were terrible. That the other day. Oh, that but was, it was such a CGI fest. That's it was what, so that, awesome. that's what enraged me. But it, it, I, the thing is, I watched it originally because I I love Lily Taylor. Like, right. well, yeah, I like Lily business. Taylor, and. I really enjoyed the look of the house, and yeah. I was like, well, maybe if I turn the volume down. This was like a couple days ago. It was on somewhere, and I was like, well, if I just look at the hallways and pretend they're not breathing, maybe that'll help. That's it didn't help. That's how I feel about the Haunted Mansion movie. But, <laughs> yes. I think I think with that trope overall, a lot of low-budget horror uses yes. it, because again, it's cheap. It's cheap. Yeah. You but don't... effective. And I think the one movie that I think really did a great job with that one on, on the low-budget scale, was Abstentia. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 yes, oh, it did. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Oh, I love, it's, I love uh, Abstentia. Who, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the director. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. And uh, Abstentia is... is Absentia. Abstentia. Yeah, I, I always say it wrong. <laughs> uh, but it is a great example of, you know, they give you all this context, but when it comes to actually seeing the threat, you never get to. So oh, it's good. I'm going to add into that because one of my, my, one of my very favorites is, um, is darkness and shadows of, of things that, that just exist only in the darkness or the shadows or mm-hmm. shadows that are, I, I love, I love darkness fucking with people. Yes. Of either not, you know, the, the darkness surrounds you and you can't see what's out there. Um, I love um, shadows being long. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that's kind of also veers into another one of my favorites is when things just aren't as they should be. But um, but pretty much if, if you have something, if the darkness is almost a little alive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and there's so many movies that use it badly, but mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those things I'm a sucker for. And you talking about, you know, something that's subtly wrong. In, in one of my favorite books on the horror genre, Dance Macabre by Stephen King, mm-hmm. which Stephen King, if you ever hear this, please, dear God, write a sequel. Please write a sequel, <laughs> oh my God. Because we know you're still out there watching horror movies. Exactly. And listening to podcasts. And listening to podcasts. <laughs> so one of the things, because he goes through a bunch of horror tropes, and yeah. he says one of his favorites is, what's wrong with this picture? Everything right. on the surface looks completely normal. Yeah. But there's just something ever so subtly askew Mm -hmm. and that's actually while i love that trope that's the sort of horror movie that freaks me out the worst which which the exorcist 3 has a great example of that yes where the camera is panning across and it's all statues of the saints and there's just statues of the saints and then all of a sudden there's this one with this hideous horrible grin and the camera just keeps panning yeah and it's like if you catch that and you do 
it freaks you out so much. Yeah. Because, yeah. because you're conditioned, normal, normal, everything's going to be normal. Oh, not normal. Yeah. But yeah, and we we always have you always have to like vet some of the movies you show. <laughs> oh, okay. I inevitably bring up that movie that I want to show that exactly gets you in all of those ways on on weekends that Pete is out of town. Yes, uh-huh. when Pete is off at a convention or if he's away sure. for like a month for Jesus. convention trips, and I'm like, sure, let's watch Oculus. I've never seen that. That sounds great. And well, then I go home wrong. and I you know stay awake until six in the morning. Nobody ever needs to sleep. Yeah, stupid. Um, yeah, yeah, that happened to me with um, the. John Carpenter film, the one about the devil in the church, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness! Which, which we are showing this Friday. I love that movie, but man, after I saw it, I went home and I was all by myself, Aww. and I had to cover the mirrors in the house because oh, I was so scared. No. Of, I was part scared of, the, of my mirrors. Part of the reason I want to watch it again is to kind of confront a fear of mine that that movie triggered. Which is the the recurring dream that they have about this is not a dream, this is a transmission yes. from Yes. So that is the, the static sound movie. effects around that. When we bought the house we live in back in ninety nine, it had a intercom set up with a doorbell and it ran through speakers in the house. And <laughs> we thought this was totally fine. Okay, we move into the house and it was the sort of loudspeaker intercom that would very badly and faintly pick up radio signals. Oh, that's oh, great. So, Shit. the weekend that Pete went away for Gen Con, where the week before we had seen the Blair Witch Project, which freaked me the hell out anyway. Right. And then the noise behind my head while I'm sitting in the living room starts making these crackling static noises, at which point at I called point my, a voice might And a voice might come out. I called my parents in hysterics and dad came out and disconnected the whole thing. Like, that night, within <laughs> ten minutes. Has, has anybody else, like, been listening to something on headphones and the music stops or the talking stops and you're just sitting there and you're not really paying that much attention and then all of a sudden you hear the little hints of something. Oh, yes. Black Tapes actually does that Black on Tapes did that to me on okay. purpose and the first time it happened I it, I ripped the headphones out of my head uh-huh. and threw my phone on the other like I, on the I, other side of the couch, and Monty just started cracking up laughing. I have a podcast, huh? I know, and the thing is, it's like it's never been while I'm listening to a podcast. It's just been some weird feedback. Yep, or See, like a yeah, it's one of my weirdly favorite genres of music. There's a whole bunch of artists out there who do this kind of atmospheric horror movie soundtrack, but the really good ones. Um, there, there is a musical collective out of England called Dirty Knobs, which thank you, Warren Ellis, for introducing me to them, that have two tracks, and it is completely, there's some great ambient musical noises in there, but there's a lot of, like, background whispering and weirdness going on. I can't listen to it while I'm home alone. I've, I've learned. I, nope. I made that mistake once, and I was like, oh, Cause, wow. Because I am not the person who gets fucked up by movies. I don't have bad dreams about that. Right. I, well, I don't have bad dreams. Just, I just don't sleep. <laughs> or not sleep at all. But that is one of the few things where the, there's just that silence and all of a sudden you hear like almost music or almost whispers mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that 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 weird almost like uh-huh. electronic connecting yep. like, that isn't like Oh that's just the that's just the FBI spying on you. I know totally fine. They're making but sure you're safe. I literally like something grips me like it's that you're being, I guess it's that, that fear that I have of being cornered or being right. trapped. And it, it triggers all of that. Pray you never develop tinnitus. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because yeah, that's, that's that's an effect of it. it. Oh, and yep. Because I have spent a really, in, 
not inconsiderable amount of time going to live shows without earplugs because I was a moron. Yeah. Um, yeah, occasionally I'll just get those sort of sound effects randomly. And, oh, no yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Every now and then I have to be like, did you hear that noise? And Pete's all, what noise? What? It's okay, in your head again. Okay. Just go talk to the voices. Uh, okay, fine. So, what other, uh, what other tropes? Go on, Jill. You okay, know you wanted. I, I have three You've pages. Been good. I have three pages of notes about this, but I will confine it to movies okay. because I'm being good. But there was, <laughs> and slightly relating to books, but it translated over to movies a lot. When vampires were first introduced into kind of public media consciousness, they were very much ravening monsters. They were horrible, horrific things. You didn't want to be around them, but there became this veneer of sophistication and aristocracy over them, and that really played up in in the fiction of, like, uh, The Vampire by John Polidori and Carmilla by Sheridan Le Pew. But that translated over to the stage production of Dracula, where it might not have carried through as much, but you had Bela Lugosi with yeah. the, all that charisma, and that carries through in the Bela Lugosi version of Dracula, which, if you look at it objectively, is really silly. It but, is pretty silly, but, but it's Bela really good. Lugosi, and that continues. That continued through to the horror movies that Hammer Horror put out with Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. because even though, again, Dracula is this this monstrous, you know, feeding off the life of the living, but it's Christopher Lee, so mm-hmm. right, we're gonna swoon a lot, and then that really, you know, comes to a head with Interview with a Vampire. Well, and the, you've got to remember, too, that um, even with Bela's uh, uh, first portrayal, mm-hmm. there was such a, a sexual violence oh, undertone. With there, is in the, there is in the novel. Yeah. There, oh, yeah. there totally right. is in the novel. But um, then... And I'm going to interrupt you just really, really quickly because uh, there's a new um, season of You Must Remember This, mm-hmm. and it is about um, Bela Lugosi and... Um, uh, uh, Frankenstein, uh, Bar- Boris Karloff. Yes, oh, it's is, about Lugosi and Karloff. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will. It's, a, it's I will all downloaded. Yeah, I, I'm probably gonna have it's, to track that down it's, because it's only they've got the first two episodes okay. out. But anyway, I just wanted to bring but, that because it's it's covering right. the same things very thoroughly. But then you, when you hit Interview with the Vampire, especially with the book, but then the movie even more so, you had vampires portrayed as these tragic, romantic figures who who agonized over the taking of human life and were filled with guilt and would rather live off rats. With that, I want monsters. Well, yes, I I want... so whiny. I I love (laughs) Interview with a Vampire, but I am am Team Lestat in this. And I I hate to admit this, but there's a direct through line from the portrayal of Lewis in Interview with a Vampire straight down to Twilight. And well, oh my god, I I hate making those connections, but no, it's 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 there. It's, but there's more. There's one be- wouldn't exist without Twilight. Would not exist without Interview with Vampire. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But there's becoming there's still pockets of vampires monstrous because sure. you you have Thirty Days of Night near dark near dark the strain the strain. Yeah, you have you have uh, especially the second Blade movie, which was like the no, strain part one. I love those one. guys. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. But so there's starting to be more aspects of the vampire as monstrous, and I really think where it crossed over in movies is the hunger, because John and Miriam Blaylock are these amazing, sophisticated, very attractive people, mm-hmm. and then you know they pick people at the club and rip their throats out. Well, they have to, to stay alive. I only watched the first opening of that movie, and I have two versions of that on. Hello. 
I How know. Are you? I know. It's okay. I'm I'm okay now. Didn't we go see it once years ago and you wanted to leave? Yes. After that was our Oh, yeah, yeah, because oh. after that, David Bowie gets all the eyes and it's sad. And remember, I'm the most heterosexual of the goth girls, so, so I... The, the, the ending of the movie is... <laughs> I don't like care. For you. Yeah. Catherine Deneuve, Susan Sarandon, whatever, you folks have fun. I'm going to go back and watch Peter Murphy in a cage and David Bowie's vampire. I have priorities. Yes. Yes, yes you do. And, 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 and just want to hug and kiss little Anne Magnuson as she's like... Bless her heart. Bless her heart. Because in her short, short role as the super cute goth punk girl who gets picked up by David Bowie, she intentionally screwed up her scene with him like so 15 can, times. So she can make out with him an awful lot more. Which I, I respect <laughs> that. That is commitment. I, that is commitment, and I respect that. <laughs> it's not commitment to your art, maybe, but it's commitment to something. <laughs> hey, I... Yes. Uh, anyhow. <laughs> kind of through-lining on that, um, one of the things... I don't know that it's necessarily a trope, per se, but again, I, I'm always fascinated by those shorthands that got created by the early movies, mm-hmm. and uh, especially Universal. I mean, they set so many of the standards. They set so much of modern vampire lore that mm-hmm. didn't exist in any of the pre-existing fiction. All our yeah. werewolf lore comes from the yes. I mean, And most of our Frankenstein lore, because yeah. the book doesn't have any of that in no, it. No, it doesn't. And right. the interesting thing about the Universal Frankenstein is that when, they, when Hammer started making Frankenstein films, they were so worried one. about treading on the copyright that their Frankenstein monsters are totally different. Yes. Because the horror of Universal's Frankenstein is that it is a creature sewn together from dead bodies. But the horror of the British, of the UK Frankensteins are in the mind and the soul that's been transferred into this body. Yes. Mm. And, yeah. Well, it's one of the things when I, I wrote a series of articles on Fanboy News Network about Universal Horror and the first of the movies I reviewed was Frankenstein. And one of the mm-hmm. things I point out, first off, is always the joy of you watch these old movies and you have to try and divorce yourself from the pop culture they created. Yes. Yeah. But the point here is they did create the pop culture. And watching the Frankenstein movies, they're still brilliant because James Whale was a brilliant director. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's just still a lot of humanity in them. And, and mm-hmm. they, they don't seem as stuck in their time as, say, Dracula does. Right. And yes. so with Frankenstein, so by two points on Frankenstein, point A, that's the image. Thanks to, yeah. to thanks if, to if somebody says, "What does Frankenstein look like?" You're gonna get the Jack Pierce, yeah, yes, Harlow Frankenstein. But I also will will maintain that Frankenstein, the 1931 and Bride of Frankenstein as a follow up, are the the trope definers of the misunderstood monster. Oh yeah, absolutely. The 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 monster is is just doesn't understand its world and would it have been is, just fine if it hadn't had a bipolar father and yeah. an abusive stepbrother. Yes. That's all that's true. Um if you go back to silent film uh the golem. Mm-hmm. Yes. The creature in the golem is the golem itself is kind of a, is very much like that. Yeah. And that he's a machine of vengeance but is defeated I think at the end by a child. But, yeah, that certainly carries through, and the Universal ones are certainly the ones that popularize that. Mm -hmm. I also, just real quick, uh, uh, speaking of tropes, 
1931 Frankenstein is where we get the Torchwizard mobs. Mm. Hooray! Yay! And where we get the the idea of, uh, and it wasn't the first one to do this, but it really codified, you know, you see the castle and there's a clap of thunder. Yes. And if you really want a masterclass of horror movie tropes, and especially the tropes that were given to us by Frankenstein, then you just need to watch Young Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. because that hits all of them. Yep, it gets Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein in there. Yeah. Yeah. I like Bride of Frankenstein more than I like Frankenstein. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it. There's more to it. It's it's really heartbreaking to me. It's much more so than, yeah. Yeah. So... So, and again, that's kind of where I go for why I would hold up that movie. It's set the stage. Uh, since we've talked about Dracula and Frankenstein, I also want to take a minute to talk about The Wolfman, which, even though it comes up ten years later, uh, again, it's a codifier. Uh, all of our werewolf lore mm-hmm. that we take mm-hmm. as accepted right? Uh, it was created. Right. Like, it, it's a curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's an involuntary transformation. It's an involuntary transformation. The person who is afflicted maybe doesn't doesn't remember it and when they do remember it they are horrified by it um silver that wasn't part of the really traditional no. lore. silver you're absolutely right um the pentagram being part of it yes um interestingly the full moon didn't come until the next movie uh the moon never shows up in wolfman oh you're right it's just the, the but the, she says that even a man who's pure of heart and says his Prayers by, by night, night becomes a wolf when wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. That's a full moon. Right, but some people said that it was there's a I heard a theory that the transformation would take on place on the nights of a full moon and every night in autumn. Oh man, that's exhausting. But uh <laughs> but yeah, the full moon doesn't really get codified yeah. uh until Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But it's yeah, you've got the is he crazy or is he actually turning into a wolf? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have the psychological aspect. You also have the the, the reluctant monster. Yeah. yeah. Very much. He knows what's going on and he wants oh. to stop it. He's not sure how. Yeah. Uh, and death is his only release. Uh, and then the final thing I want to just, the, that movie, that was where we first got the Misty Moors. Yeah. Well, maybe not first, but it, those <laughs> shots of the Misty Moors from Wolfman were reused. A lot. A when, lot. A lot. When uh, was the Orson Welles Weathering Heights made? Oh, that was that was much later. That was okay. Forties. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not not saying that it wasn't in books before, but for movies, the Misty Moors. Plus, I, I love that Wolfman nowadays plays more like a Greek tragedy. Yeah, it does. It's, it's it all, I think it always has. Yeah. Yeah. And and you would know this obviously better than I would, but I don't. I don't think there are any modern werewolf movies that 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 hold up to the original universal werewolf you know the wolfman movie i in what way because late phases everyone loves american werewolf in paris but in paris Paris? no london london (laughs) let me explain a bunch of people love american let me explain (laughs) there's a book by guy endor called the werewolf of paris yes it is the best piece of werewolf fiction ever written it is heartbreaking and yeah. beautiful, and it takes place during this revolution, and hordes of mad women are running through the streets, setting Paris on fire. And I get it confused yes. with um, American Werewolf yeah, yeah. in London. American Werewolf in Paris, no thank you. 
<laughs> you're, you're right. I had inexplicably forgotten about American Werewolf in London. But I think it comes to the close because again, it has all those things. It's the tragedy. It has the because re- the only one that I comes to mind don't... for me is Company of Wolves and. And, oh, and I love that movie, but that's like a, a whole different movie. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a whole different. <laughs> that's movie. a whole that is, different yeah. thing. Okay, so and actually, I am going to choose that as um, not necessarily that Company of Wolves personifies this, um, but it kind of goes back to my earlier discussion of of taking away the power from from women and subduing them. The a trope that fucking pisses me off is women can't handle their power. Yeah, like if you if mm. you if they are given strength, if they are given superpowers. Um, you see it? No. There's uh, some superhero... Oh, the, the, I think we were watching The Flash, and somehow, like, all of these men get superpowers, and they all become heroes, but all of these women, when they get powers, they immediately turn evil this... and, and have to be subdued or tamed or have their powers well, locked down. And back to werewolves and Ginger Snaps as an example. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. That was another mm-hmm. werewolf movie I was forgetting. But yes, this goes to my 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 one objection with the Lost me. Boys is that you never see Star vamp out. No. She's, I mean, Laddie. She's, she's everybody's mother. Ugh. She has to take care of everybody. Yeah, no. she's, she's Wendy. Or Wendy. Not, she's Wendy, yeah. not Tinkerbell. I know, and yeah. it still makes me mad. I know, me too. Yeah, because that is honestly the very, very best part of, of Only Lovers Left Alive is at the end where they both go feral and yes, and, just for a and, sec and leap and rend. Because, well, it, it goes back to that taking place off screen. Yes, um, Jim and I cackle hysterically whenever there is implied violence off screen that you can only hear. Like we'll hear it and it'll be you know ah boom 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 boom. Ugh. And we're like ha ha implied violence yay implied violence. But yeah, it's that, you know, what are they going to do when we're not seeing them anymore? Yeah. But yeah, I just, it no, that's fucking a, that's makes me mad. That's an infuriating trope. But you it know, is, it's infuriating. It happens all love, the time. Love, let us pray, let us pray so Well, I was going to say just any movie where, and and I claim my dark power, yeah. the legacy also yes. comes yeah. to mind. Or I can do whatever I want. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's part of the reason why Drusilla is my favorite vampire from the Buffyverse. Yeah. Also, she's the one who walked away and lived. She's yeah. out there eating people even now. <laughs> and I think they're kind of going that way with the chilling adventures of Sabrina. God, I hope so. Yeah. I don't know, I am, man, I'm so far behind on that comic. Well, me. there's only but three issues that came out since the graphic novel. They publish very sporadically. That's true. I may have read all of them. I haven't read. I haven't read anything. I'm that a little behind. I've only read the graphic novels so far. I and that is why I'm really worried about the TV show. Yeah. I mean, also, it sounds she's like she's going to be tamed by by loving someone, and they're and... probably not going to do it as a period piece, so it loses a lot of that kind of yeah. '60s era. Yeah, I've been. I've been watching Riverdale. Godspeed, my I, child. That's not that bad. I, See, it's I, just a bunch of bad people making bad choices. That I like that in some things, but only if there's a supernatural element. Yeah. 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 So you haven't brought up a trope that's one of your favorites. I'm not sure. Or that you like? <laughs> no. Or, or I mean, there's things in horror movies <laughs> that always get me, mm-hmm. and they're but they're not really tropes. There's like... Okay, there's a you're in a room and you see light coming in through underneath the door and a shadow moves past because someone's walked past the door. 
I don't think that's a trope, but it's a thing that happens in horror oh, movies. And it's just so good. And it terrifies me so much when I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I put a towel under my door when I'm in my room alone. Oh. Because I'm scared that I'll see a shadow walk past. Even though my room is at the end of a hallway. There is no way anyone could make a shadow. Mirror play. The, 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 oh, like, the like, how are things, like, when one person, when when the person moves and the reflection doesn't. doesn't. Yes. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, when they, Thanks, when they, Brothers. when they close that, that, that fucking, uh, oh, cabinet. Oh, I just saw something and, and you know, you know when that door opens back up or when it closes, there's going to be something fucking there. Yep. And, oh. But that leads to one of the tropes that I love and I hate in modern horror mm-hmm. movies, which is jump scares. And I actually did a little research, and apparently the first movie to really use a jump scare was Carrie. Mm-hmm. The ending of Carrie, and that kind of... Yeah. Everyone who did a slasher movie afterwards was like, oh, yeah. Aha! We will yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, have gonna have a cat jump! <laughs> You're and like, God damn that cat! I just watched a movie, I think it was called The Long, the Long Dark Night, or something like that. It's a 1940s British film, which a lot of people have said is one of the scariest films ever made. It is a bunch of people in a house telling stories about things that have happened, and there's three different stories. And one of them is about a person, a guy who gets a haunted mirror as a gift. Mm. And at first he looks in the mirror, and it's him, and then he looks in the mirror the next time, and it's him again, but the room behind the mirror is this amazing Oh, you're talking in Dark of Night. Yeah. Yeah, I just watched that last week. Oh, that was... And that's that when we were talking really, about it. Yeah, that's the, the really good. The ventriloquist dummy is really good, and my second favorite is the one where basically is it, don't they get married, and it's the bride's gift to him. Yeah, it's her gift to him is this mirror, and it makes him. And he tries to murder her because of things he's seen See, in the mirror. Yeah, because all of a sudden and, he's in a different room, and oh. you see the room around him, but in the mirror he's in a different room. Yeah. And, it, oh. and it's a really good for it. It's not the scariest movie ever made, but for a black and white 1940s horror movie, it's really good. And the wraparound's really good on it, too. Yeah. Any anthology, you, it's, you live or die by your wraparound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, so, so many of them are just... Yeah. Oh, there's so many movies that have them that don't need them. Yeah. I'm not going to talk too much about Salome's Last Dance, but come <laughs> on, just show me the play. I don't need to see Oscar Wilde arriving... I don't need to hear him making witty comments to the people who are doing the play for him. Just show me the play. <laughs> so it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> you know, we just well, since we just watched Halloween uh, this last week. I was, uh, you know, obviously that's an influential film. Uh, it's it really set the standards for a genre, even though the seeds had been set by several movies beforehand. Sure. Uh, but I was thinking while watching it, knowing we were going to be doing this episode, okay, what do we have in this movie? And one is, there's a lot of actually good daylight horror mm-hmm. in Halloween because even right. though they're not there's scared that, yet, Michael is already stalking them. Right. There's that beautiful tracking shot that follows her as she walks all the way around the school. And it's just all one beautiful long shot. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe at some point you see him step behind a bush behind her in that shot, but they don't say anything. It's during the day, yeah. and it, you're just watching Lori. It's a POV shot, and it's it's just really sets an incredible mood for that movie. It's like the opening scene in The Shining where you just, or not the opening scene, but the opening credit sequence in The Shining when you see this tiny little car, and it zooms in and in, and you see how far up into the forest they're driving. Yeah. 
So the other thing I was thinking, though, trope-wise with, with Halloween, and now we're kind of getting into, okay, so let's talk about tropes we don't like. Uh-oh. Uh, John Carpenter himself has gone on record and saying he is very upset that he feels he contributed to the uh, sex equals death trope. Oh, uh, the sex equals death trope is... And it's older. Uh, than I believe than it's... It, it is an old, older trope. I believe it was popularized, and I could be wrong, during the AIDS epidemic. Well, I was mm. even thinking back to the Hayes Code. Oh, we're talking sex equals death. Because with the Hayes Code, you could show any debauchery you wanted. As long as they were punished. As long as there was a punishment. Mm -hmm. That's Uh, true. uh, And, but Carpenter has said that the whole reason he was using the sex aspect in Halloween was he wanted to represent how distracted the characters were that they weren't, they were Right, they weren't noticing. They weren't being killed because they were having sex. They were being killed because they weren't paying attention to the giant lurking guy in the mask. (laughs) But that's, that's, you know, and because that became such a trope in other slasher films, that's one thing that Carpenter has gone on track and said he just bothers that wasn't him. Immo- he didn't do that on purpose. Yeah. yeah. It just became a thing that people, yeah. Well, that kind of goes to another trope that kind of, uh, I think is overused, is not believing the children. Yes. Or the women. Mm-hmm. Or the women. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a, that's a big one for me. Yeah. You know, yes. if you just listen to the kids, and I mean, even unfortunately, Stranger Things falls into that. I mean, oh, yeah. we're really curious Absolutely. to see how they do mm-hmm. with the next season. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that that cop guy, he's gonna have to start believing these kids at some point. <laughs> yeah, he's been into the upside down. Yeah, exactly. But that also got me thinking because we talked about it earlier. The uh, one of the tropes, just since we're kind of veering into the ones again that are skin, I have two tropes. They're related. And they are black guy dies first, yep, and bury your gaze. And, uh, and these are you know stop killing the gays. And I, without, stop yeah. killing the minorities. I, I mean, yes. obviously you have like sexual horror, horror movie or life. Yeah, <laughs> in both yes, exactly both. both. Suddenly last summer, uh, this I think or is, this. Both. Oh my god, I love suddenly last summer. But there's oh, very much, and again, I'm it's the haze code them. idea. Yeah, that. That you know you can show his sins, but he has to suffer. Yeah. I don't know if that's the Hayes Code or the Tennessee Williams yeah. Code. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> with the Sex Equals Death Code, even Ginger Snaps plays into that a little yeah. bit, uh-huh. mm-hmm. or a lot actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it follows is effectively oh. made of it. Mm, yeah. 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 To a degree. Even you though were, it's a great horror movie, you are making a squinchy face of disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> Just shows that it doesn't it all, isn't always bad, but that's they a, they they kind of they played with that trope and kind of rearranged it, which was nice, but it was still a backbone. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. it was. So with Black Guy Dies First, though, I was thinking a few years ago I went and saw the movie Legion, mm. which wasn't the best decision. That's okay. Uh, you went and saw a horror movie. It doesn't yeah, have to be a good one. Yeah, and. One of the things that really bothered me was once they brought all the characters together, I was able to accurately predict the order the characters were going to die in. Yes. Uh, so, when the TV show Supernatural had been running for a couple seasons, and I hadn't got into it until, like, second or third season, so we caught up on it on, on DVD, and within, like, five episodes of the first season, it got to where even... Even Pete, who doesn't hadn't at the time become as genre savvy, 
was like, oh, they showed they showed a woman in this opening section. She's, She's going to die it. soon. Yeah. Yeah, Supernatural is terrible about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I've watched the first two seasons of Supernatural, and then I realized what it was turning into. Yeah. yeah. And what it was turning into was giant soap opera with one ongoing story arc where people go to hell and come back and get possessed, and I was like, I'm not in for this. I just want a Monster of the Week. Give me Night Stalker. When they yeah. did the Monster of the Week episodes, they were great. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed those. Even though you and I would have the contest, when did when did each of us flail? Oh, no, but, there's always some flailing during well, Supernatural. Well, no, the flailing is because of how much... They never did their research mm-hmm. for any anything related to no. esoteric or the occult. It's not called Samhain. I that is that is not angelic script. No, and the hand of glory is supposed to be the left hand, and yeah, I yeah, I mean, it got to where friends the, would text me. The other me. one, the thing that pisses me off is they always like slice the entire palm. Oh. Like, so why? Why are you, you doing just that? Need blood. You want to be able to use that hand. Any time within the next, like, six fucking months. Yeah. Because it's your fucking hand. Yeah. Like, there are places that are, number one, not going to hurt that much, and not going to impede you that badly. And yeah. like, It's true. Like... <laughs> the arm! Come on! The arm! Yeah. yeah. You could just put a bandaid over it on the arm, just... Yeah. yeah. And it's going to only hurt sometimes, unlike a hand, which is going to fucking yeah. hurt all the time. And you're going to use that hand to fire the only gun that will kill ghosts. So, yes. so I think we're agreeing that, that Supernatural is made of bad tropes. Yes. yes. Supernatural is made of bad tropes and cute boys. I. Uh, At least that's what the internet tells me. They're, I don't think they're that cute. I was going to mention but, something about the kill your gaze trope, but then I realized, no, that's only in the fan fiction, not in the actual show. So, <laughs> well, Supernatural has a lot... You know, any character Ugh. that any character that mentions they might be lesbian. Oh yeah. Oh, you're dead. Any minute now. I'm yeah. surprised that uh, Felicia Day's character lasted as long well, as she did. Well, I hate the I hate the trope that bisexuals it must constantly prove they're bisexual by having sex with people all the time every time they're on screen or by flirting with somebody. I'm yes. like, come on. Yeah. Who has time for that? <laughs> in in pop culture horror tropes. <laughs> <laughs> that that of course bother me. Someone starts turning to the dark side or becoming evil. Look, they've gotten a goth makeover. I mean, admittedly, I always want their clothes and eyeliner when they've gone through this transformation. But uh, like, but, but that basically, as though you could. Pr- I'm Look, going not, to have to make a hypocrisy call. Here. I I am feeling so attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, usually it's but you and I having the argument in the episode. But yes, like, it but is true that when people later. turn evil, they get a goth makeover. But it might also be true that some people, not us of course, never us, might like to dress gothically because we like to look like villains. But it's always, it's it's almost an inversion of the take the geek girl and take off her glasses and suddenly she's popular. Oh, you've become and evil. Let's give you more eyeliner. I agree. And you don't stay that way. What the hell? Threat level eyeliner. Threat level eyeliner. Oh, God, I watched that movie. That movie. Threat level <laughs> trash panda. Oh, that movie. That was great. For, for those of you playing along at home, we're talking about... Uh, uh, the Beyond, Beyond the, the Gate. Gate. Beyond the Gate. Oh, yeah. that... Her, her eyeliner. I mean, you expect it to come out of the screen and just like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was hilarious. And yet, that eyeliner made you so happy. It did. It did. It, it was awesome. It makes bigger. us all happy. Oh. 
Yeah. I, when I'm having a bad day and I want to set people on fire, I go put on more eyeliner. I, I have I have eyelinered my way out of, like, exhaustion and yep. insomnia. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. like, well, I'll just... <laughs> I guess we just need to put a couple of layers on there. It'll be yeah. fine. Oh, yes. I know all about that. <laughs> oh, man. But it is a trope that's almost never handled well. It's... I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's like... Oh, she must be evil. She's got that uh, smoky eye. Yeah, and then and then as soon as she like comes to grips with anything, she goes all normie again. Yeah, right. Or if she stays goth, if she stays goth, she goes insane and gets committed to an asylum. I'm looking at you, the craft. Uh huh. Also, women who can't handle their power tropes. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Uh, I know. I know. I know. See, this is why I like practical magic. Oh, I like so practical magic. It's so sweet. About, it's I bought it's not a horror movie, but it's claiming it is, your power. It's a really sweet movie. I like I, it. I, I did read the prequel. I did read the rules of magic. And it is it is super... It is almost everything I wanted from a prequel story about the aunts. Um, as I said on Tumblr today, I loved the book. There is just one character in the book who I have some quibbles with because... They, they, in a way, feel like, yay, my character is pasted on, and they're necessary for plot reasons, but everyone doesn't any feel as fully developed They as were the not characters. as fully developed as the other characters, and every time they had the focus was on them, I'm like, yeah, 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 where's Jet, where's Francis? Yeah. But, super fun book. I'm good, I'll have to read it. Yeah. Sitting on my Kindle. Alright, Jen, what other tropes do you hate? Mm. Well, um... Uh, and, and, oh, I, I hate, I, oh, I got one. Go ahead. I hate rape revenge. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, Why uh, does a woman have to be raped before she's allowed to be properly evil? Yeah. You know, I'm, uh. And why, and, and okay. And it's always and, the way that they have to suffer. It's like, you oh, know, it's, we're going to have a woman who's going to be awesome. She's going to go out and get all this inner strength. But it's going to come from the fact that she's been horribly abused and raped. Yeah. Yes. It's like being the parent of a like, character in a Dungeons is, and Dragons you can't, scenario. You can't even like have something moderately bad. No, no rape. Yeah. No rape. I rape. have tossed so many paranormal urban fantasy novels because that as soon as that plot point comes up, I'm just like, I'm done with this. I don't. Yeah. I don't even yeah, read that plot point ever that. again. Yeah. So I'm involved in a project that hasn't come out yet. That's going to be a YouTube series on the video nasties. Oh. And uh, my friend who's producing it uh, gave me a choice of which movies I would get to review. Uh-huh. And when I s- realized that I Spit on Your Grave is one of the movies on the nasties list, I picked that one because it's such a fraught one. I wanted to make sure that I was there to... You will be more nuanced in your reviewing yes. of it. Yes. And that's kind of I... the point. I have thoughts on that movie. Yeah. A lot of them. And it's all over the place. Some of it is why it, it it's the quintessential rape revenge movie. Mm-hmm. But yet, when the rape is happening, a lot of times in those movies, um, like in like in Straw Dogs, they kind of make it look like she liked being raped, which is gross. And in this movie, the rape is shown as being an abhorrent, horrible thing that happens. Yeah. And in a lot of rape revenge movies, you don't see that. You're, and in a way, right. I Spit on Your Grave almost has, like, a feminist perspective to it because yeah. of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, but at the same time, it's still super rapey, and the rape goes on way too long, and you're like, come on. Irreversible. Um, That's the thing that also pisses me off a lot of the time, is where it even becomes less about what the woman's gone through and some man's man pain about Fridging. Yeah. Fridging. Fridging. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The crow. Yeah. Yeah. We I'm, all, look, the, the aesthetic of the crow is great. It's <laughs> in a movie I enjoy. But really, when, when the Blu-ray was released a couple years ago, Pete gave it to me for Christmas that year because he knew it was like a gothy touchstone. And I haven't watched it yet because I'm I'm terrified that I will watch it now being, what, a decade, decade uh-huh. and a half older like, than we thought? And I'll be like, oh, God, like, no. Something horrible happened to your girlfriend. Move on. It's it's also get what, some therapy. It's also why I haven't reread the graphic maybe get novel. A hug. Yeah. It's always like, like I'm really sorry. Everything. That's a whole thing that happened. Maybe instead of that, maybe you could go get a hug. But <laughs> at the same time, that happens. So... Tied into that, kind of, because of of the discussion that's been going on in larger culture about the women coming forward with the sexual abuse comments and the, you know, this is what I have had to deal with, this is what I have dealt with from this person in power. So the news broke, what, yesterday that Marilyn Manson fired his bass player, Twiggy Ramirez, because the rape accusations finally were made public by a... By, his ex-girlfriend. By his, his ex-girlfriend. ex-girlfriend. And the thing is, and a friend of mine on Twitter was talking about this, and I kind of joined in the conversation where she's like, okay, you know, yay, Manson came forward and said, no, this is this is something I won't tolerate. But... Now own up to your own shit. Because, yeah, because there is shit for him to own up to. Because it is yeah. an open secret that when when they were on tour and everything... They were monstrous. They were just... They were horrible. They and, would do awful things. And my, it's in the... It's in the... That's what I said. about it in the book. I said, you know, oh, if you read also, his autobiography, you know, it's not even a question of, did they do this? But no, it is It a, is there. It, they, how how yeah. was, uh, was Rachel um, Wood when... Oh, when he started, started dating, dating her, her and molding her into Dita Point 2? Um, she was like... She was like, she? I think he's... Or, no, she was she was like nineteen or twenty. But she was still, she yeah. was young. She was very young. Ugh. Yeah. And again, it's that you know you've got this trope of rock stars going yeah. to excess, and it's a played out trope. They need to not do that anymore. Yeah. Sorry, rock stars. It's time to stop. Yep. Well, I, I I was talking. Maybe was it on this podcast? No, perhaps that when people talk about particularly young men want to be rock stars. They want to be rock stars because of the things associated with being a rock star. And those things are loads of free sex. It's not rock star parking. It's not, you, nobody wants to be a rock star so that they can get good parking. Yeah. I want to be a rock star to control people. <laughs> oh, well, that's much better. Well, so do they. <laughs> but not the same their ways. Underage women. <laughs> You know, I'm just going to be over here for a moment. I Correct. want a cult. Are you going to be in my band? <laughs> have, uh... And that was the night we started the band. <laughs> Pretty much. Didn't we, didn't we have, I'm trying to remember, when back in the 90s, didn't we create a fake band? We had a couple. 
because yeah. we had a we had a van in that one vampire game where Wade stormed out and said he was never going to GM anything yeah. again. But no, we had we had a fake band because especially when Wizards of the Coast would send you and I out to the same. Convention. Oh yeah, because people were always asking if you and Steve and I were in a band because yeah. we would take a oh, limousine man. to the convention and we would get out and we would dress like us. Black Absinthe. That was our name. Oh, so oh. My, my favorite story. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I hate yeah. to say I have a favorite Black Absinthe story because. Uh, yeah, back in 94 or 95, um, uh, Jill, Rias, Pete, and I all went to Disneyland together. And, <laughs> God, that trip. And that was the best and the on worst. On the trip, uh, at one point, there was, like a, I don't remember, like a couple of people who were very clearly coming straight at us. And, you know, yes. Jill and Rias are in their goth finery, and, and Pete and I are dressed like Pete and I. Uh, so, but they're, so they're clearly focused on, on Jill and Rias and they're coming right at us. I'm like, well, this isn't going to end well. What can I do about this? Wait, I got it. I stepped forward being, I'm six foot one and just built large, put out my hand and went, I'm sorry. They, they just want they're not going to sign our grass today. They, they just want to enjoy the park. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember that. That was awesome. <laughs> and they got so confused. Like, should we recognize them? <laughs> and we want, we walked away. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yes, it so, was great. <laughs> that was also the trip oh, where I played a, your power. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was the trip where I was playing a lot of practical jokes, though. And... Yes, the fact that Rias didn't then smother you when you went to sleep that night. Are after... you kidding me? Everyone knows you don't go near Jeff when he's sleeping. Okay, that's true. <laughs> so... Leaving the chick tracked on. Oh yeah, yeah. Jeff uh, convinced me that there was a witch hunt out for me, and that the hotel staff. We're okay. leaving religious pamphlets under my not, pillow. In, you know, my goal wasn't to make you think the scale, although in retrospect, I should have realized that would have been the... <laughs> um, that was also the trip where I tricked Jill onto a roller coaster. And, oh, I still hear the screams. And then I convinced everyone to go on a small world, but I was honest on the small world. There are photos of me before and after that. There are. I will never be the same. I told you, we're going to a small world. You swore you weren't going to break. You were like, how bad can it be? Well, I didn't know how long a ride it was, did I? (laughs) It never ends. But you were absolved of all sin. It's it's like the the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka. It goes on and on, and there's no escaping it. But we've digressed enough. We have digressed. so there's a couple of trope areas we haven't touched on that I think are at least worth a pass. Religious horror, for example. Okay. Particularly, one of the, the interesting tropes about religious horror is everything's Catholicism. Yeah. Hooray! Well, they've got the pretty ceremonies. Yeah, they have the great, they have the best robes. Well, I also think I also think it's their mythology is well known universally. Oh, true. They and Latin like always, a virus. And Latin only sounds really impressive. Yeah. Even if they occasionally get it wrong. What was it? We, oh, when we watched the first Conjuring and they were doing the exorcism and, st- and Mal and I are sitting there going, mm, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. Don't stop in the middle. Yeah. We both got very affronted about but that. But also witch tropes. I'm surprised we didn't have the witch tropes. I get all incoherent and ranty when we go about witch tropes. Also, I think There's you talk so a lot many... about them on the witch what's, episode. What's the worst way that they can offend you with witch tropes? Uh, yes. Um, Go ahead, you first. It's probably the same thing. Mostly that they're... That they're crazy, and that they're doing it for revenge. Yeah. And that it's always always very black and white. There's no... There's no gray. And if they're good witches, they're Wiccan. And if they're bad witches, they're They're satanic. satanic. 
And yeah, there's no acknowledgement of those of us who are not necessarily Wiccan, but aren't out there summoning demons every week. Actually, you know what, Mike? I just need a I've seen those rabbits. <laughs> you know, my, my least favorite witch trope? The genetic trait. That's my... My least favorite witch trope is the one where they go back to the time of the Salem witch trials and they say, no, they were real witches. <sighs> Rather than they were just uppity outspoken women. Yeah, it's like... And everyone was re- eating moldy rye bread and hallucinating. Well, yeah, but it's like the whole thing of, oh, no, those were really evil women back at the time. Uh, I've seen a couple movies that are like, do that, and it infuriates me. Yeah. Not the witch. The witch actually did that, but in a way that I liked. Yes. Yeah. I felt like in The Witch it was more that she was finding liberation than that she was finding Satan. Yes. Or, um, you know, honestly, just a family that liked her the way she was. Yes. And yes. butter. And butter and a pretty dress. Yeah. Was that? Did we get yours? Or? No, that, no. Mine is the one where, and I don't remember what movie. There's a couple of movies where, like, somebody will go back in time or something, and they're at the time of the Salem witch trials, and oh my god, those witches are really evil. Oh. Uh... Anything that justifies the murder of actual women who were actually murdered and tries to turn it into a goofy horror trope yeah. infuriates me. Yeah. Uh, what are tropes that um, just can be really great or go horribly fucking wrong? Like witches can witches. go can go great yeah. or horribly wrong. Yeah, I, I, I love um, evil children. Evil children, <laughs> and, and sometimes they can. Sometimes it's just not good, but sometimes it's just the best thing ever. Evil toys, actually. Yeah, I have seen yeah. some really well done, unsettling, subtly unsettling. Evil. Well, okay, I've more read them. Of unsettling <laughs> yeah. evil toys, but then there are the ones that are, are straight up like the Conjuring's version of the Annabelle doll, and you're like, why Annabelle would you bring that into your house? Well, okay, first of all, have you guys ever seen a picture of the actual Annabelle doll? Yes, it's a right in the end. Yes. <laughs> Who in her own right is a little unsettling, so. Yeah, but I'm like, but in the movie, it's but like this hideous it. thing. I'm like, Who would buy a doll that looks like that? Why would you I want, want that? Annabelle toy. I don't know. I've seen the dolls Anne has, and they are gorgeous. Well, she does like her pretty elven dolls. She does. Um, let's see. Uh, um, well, Jeroy teases me of my love of my. I love abandoned places. Yep. And I love how how terrifying they are. You know, abandoned hospitals, abandoned abandoned yeah. asylums, right. or even just abandoned homes that yes. have that imprint. right, like. Because there's just something, you, you still have that sense of the life that was there that isn't now. Yeah, and, right. and, and again, it brings in that sense of wrongness of things that, that as they shouldn't be. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know. that's, um, that's part of the reason why you occasionally get those, yeah, I mostly see them on Tumblr, but the uh, various posts online where people buy houses and then in the midst of doing remodels, they find doors that were behind a wall of sheetrock. Or stairs that are in the bottom of a closet and don't go anywhere. And I love that sort of stuff. I love that stuff, too. Wouldn't want to live in that house. In somebody else's yeah, house. Yeah, not in my house. No, no. Yeah, a friend I, I, of mine bought a house in France, and they were redoing it and tore up the floors. And found out that it, during the war, Nazis had been living in their house. They found, like, insignia under the yeah. floor. And they were like, okay, we're taking this to town immediately and giving it to the museum. I want nothing of this in my house. Yeah, no kidding. I remember the stories... Um, uh, when I used to listen to, or I still listen to Killer POV, or it used to be Killer POV, and now it's Shockwaves. 
Um, um, God, I can't remember. I think it might have been in Burbank or something. But uh, Rebecca McHenry, who used to work for Fangoria, bought this little two-bedroom house that they, like, redid everything and made it beautiful. And she actually just sold and bought because they have two kids now. Right. And, uh, they outgrew their house. But she found things where she actually contacted the police. Um, she found, like, um, I think rings and rings of keys. Yep. Um, and just, like, creepy things, things in, a, in the crawl space under the house and in cer- the walls. A certain well-known genre author who, who moved to our fair city recently, and I'm, I'm not going to name names just yeah. because I want to respect their privacy, but they did email me at one point and said, so I need to ask you some questions about the neighborhood that the house I bought is in do because you have connections with people in alternative lifestyle scenes. Do you know if there was a private S&M dungeon in my neighborhood? Because there wasn't. We straight up found a murder room in the sub-basement, and I need to know if I need to call the cops. I was like, I have never heard anything like this. Call the cops. Yeah. yeah. And And because the, yeah, and because the people they bought it from had gone on a trip and weren't answering emails. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it turns out it was not a murder room, but, Good. but that's an email. That's an exciting email to wake up to. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Why is there an extra room in my house? And why is it soundproof and runs with concrete and yeah. built in restraints? Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. You know, speaking of houses where there are wrong things. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. Can't go either I- way. I know a trope that freaks me out in horror movies and in real life, and it, I don't know how prevalent it is anymore, especially in Seattle with the real estate market being as insane it is. <laughs> Semi-finished basements mm-hmm. where there's that half-high retaining wall usually and out of just wood stock, going into and then nowhere. the pile of dirt. Yeah, that is scary. Like you know, there's bodies. In like that. four houses we lived in, we rented hard. in my childhood had that. And, of course, because dad is dad, every time I'd be like, I don't want to go down there. I don't know what he's, what's in the dirt. He's like, oh, don't worry. It only comes out at night. I'm putting all yeah, your books down here. Time. Yeah. God damn uh, it, dad. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unfinished basements. Um, oh, I'm, I'm okay with, with, like, attics and things like that, but un- semi-finished basements or crawl spaces under houses. Well, that's because you have that spider fear. Well, yes, but also crawl spaces under houses. Although we will not say whether or not anyone ever knew any entrances to the Seattle Underground. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> Neither I do I. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I have no memory of that era. <laughs> she says, drinking her absinthe. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the what I was thinking about, and, and part of this, I, I'll be honest, part of what I was thinking about, we just talked about Jill's phobias. Yeah. And so there's a trope. It's, it's again, one of those horror shorthands. And that is clowns are scary. They are. And, and because, because that is a common enough phobia, that and spiders usually are shorthands for scaring someone because those are two extremely common phobias. Yes. So I guess what I'm really saying is when you take the common phobias and turn them into uh, aspects of horror, Snakes. Snakes, confinement, uh, claustrophobia. Claustrophobia, um, body horror to a degree. Yeah. Medical professionals being bad. Bad. Mm. Yeah. Mad doctors. Yeah. Um, the uh, 
riffing off the clown thing because one of the, the websites that I read, uh, io9, does an annual roundup of the weirdest sexy versions of costumes they find. And they're, oh my very, god. they're very clear about we are I not saw, showing was... these to, to slut shame anyone. We are not, you know, oh my god, these are stupid because look how much plus you're showing. They are literally, we do not understand the thought process the designer had in taking this iconic pop culture image and making a sexy version. Sexy Freddy Krueger. Sexy Rick Grimes from uh, Walking Dead. It's a sexy woman. sewer dancing clown. At which point I closed the browser tab. I was like, I'm out. Okay, we're done. Okay. See, I do my, not find favorites frightening, which is really good. Because one day I was walking through Belltown and it was late at night and I was all alone and I heard a jingling behind me. And somehow, I think it was a party bus had pulled up onto the curb and there were a bunch of people going into a building and they were all following me and it was 15 clowns. Oh. I, I gotta ask real quick, Ryan, were you on the infamous strip club trip? I I was on the infamous strip club trip. I was there when the seafair clowns came into the strip club. I got lap dances. I'll never <laughs> yeah. let... a surreal moment of my oh, life. Never let clowns spank you because they are fucking mean and they will hurt you. I I'm just, I'm I mean, just saying this from experience. I do not like clowns. You people have but had I'm much not weirder lives than I have, and that's terrifying. I, I went on a Santarchy that had a, a oh, clown contingent. Right. Ugh. And and there was, there was a paddling, and they are no. nice. See, if I had tur- turned not, around... There's no fun paddling. And I know, like, you would just have died. No, I actually probably at that point would have started screaming Latin and doing an exorcism, even though I wasn't actually <laughs> raised Catholic. <laughs> She'd find that shit. Dad was raised Catholic, that's it. Yeah. Trans- just like witchcraft transfers through the bloodline. It was an uh, amazing thing, and I was so glad that it didn't happen to someone who was afraid. When it happened, I was like, okay, was that's really me. weird. I'm this. just going to keep walking and pretend I didn't see it. And then I look back, and they're all going into a bar. All so I remember okay. was happy drinking slap, 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 slap on my arm. And it's and it was Rias. Again, a mixed group going to a, a, a you know, boy we girl. At, we were at a strip club one night. At a strip club fun. for shenanigans. And all of a sudden, Jeff, Jeff. What, Rice? Look. There were clowns at the door. And I'm like, I, I, what? <laughs> I, I have nothing. And, of course, I'm transfixed for the next hour because they spent an hour there. We it was like you know when you see a tr- see an accident you I know you should every, look away. I gave Giving? every dancer a tip that night, a big tip. I was like, I was like, girl, you have earned this. Just you don't even have to come over by me. Just take hazard this pay. money. It's hazard, hazard pay. pay. Yeah. <laughs> I, but clowns are scary. How can you? It, I'm not scared of clowns. It's I went to the, the circus as a child and, and they amused me. You were a circus child. No, I was not a circus child. I was taken to see a circus oh. when I was a child. Although that was, you're not the first to make that mistake. <laughs> I was, I was the clown at parties. I did children's parties. Way back in the day when I worked at McDonald's, and we had you, you could get the Ronald McDonald birthday party experience. Because I was good with kids and gregarious, they kept trying to sign me up as the party hostess who worked with Ronald. And finally, I had to take my manager aside, and I'm like, you know those cleavers we use to break apart the big bricks of frozen beef patties? I will take it with me. You do not want... I will work... You do not understand. I will work 12-hour shifts in the drive-thru if you you don't make me do that. And yet, when, when 
Larissa and I went to Halloween Horror Nights, the <laughs> very first thing I did was run up to the scary clown because I was so excited to be meeting Jack the Clown. And he and I had a great conversation. It's much like how I really like Puddles the Clown's voice. He has an amazing it's voice. Like you never have to look I at him. Watch him. Yeah, he's not only a clown, but he's like 12 feet tall. Yeah, he's, that's not okay. He's, he's a, I, he is, he is, I went and saw him last he's Halloween. He's a man I'd like to shin up. Uh, he, we, oh my goodness. Larissa and I got to meet him. Well, While meet him, he's uh, in makeup? I can this is without makeup. This is when I am reminded of that one makeup. when it came when it was released. I had to actually ask the kids on Tumblr what all I needed to block on my yeah, blacklist. And then you found what was it? Was I, it clown fucker discourse? You know, I'm very careful about what I retweet and and uh, re. Uh, I love on adorable of, spiders. And I, know. I never. I yeah, we're really do. careful. As long as you I'm guys tag them, very spider, my blacklist will will catch it. I hate to bring this up. But Someone everything is reminded. I think it has to be said. So once in a while, stuff will show up on my feed, and I'm like, "Well, I guess they did that." You know, they're doing porn parodies of everything. Now. Oh, I know. So and they're not even titling them cleverly. Well, what's the point? So the latest porn parody is somebody did a porn parody of Hellraiser. Oh yeah, How is I think there we a have parody? That. It's str- it, it's oh, from they the did a porn parody of Wonder Woman, and she did there wasn't even any bondage in it. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. I was so, offended. So it's I didn't called, watch it. I just it's read called, the back uh, of the box. Yeah, you know, what I love about being on Don't Read the Latin, you have I the explicit it. tag. Mine doesn't. Cock razor. And instead of pins, it's obviously dildos. And somewhere Clive Barker is clapping his hands with glee. Yeah, he probably wrote the script for that. Jesus Christ, my face is going to freeze as well. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to wear this look of horror on my face till the end of day. Between that and the sexy sewer dancing clown costume. Yeah. There's oh. also an Edward Penis hands. Oh yeah, that's, there that's is, old news. That's, yeah, that's back in the I know, day. I accidentally rented that to somebody by mistake at the video store one time. They were running something <laughs> else and I just grabbed the box next to it and they got and they came back and said, this is not the movie I rented. And I, I, I was so... At least they weren't renting it for their kids. They weren't adult. And I was just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Let me give you five free The rentals. hazards of working at a video store, especially that video store. This wasn't at Scarecrow. Oh, this was it? at uh, Vertigo. Oh, but yeah. Vertigo? Yeah. Still, Vertigo. that doesn't surprise me. Nah. He said, Vertigo. remembering. It happens. You apologize. You give what them time is release. it? It's severed head time. <laughs> so, the, 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 I know we're getting probably near time. But, we are getting on time. But so. I, one thing I wanted to... And we're on time and off subject. To, well, no, going back to tropes yeah. a little bit is... Obviously, there's this this shared thing in our history of LARPing. Not me, says Jen. (laughs) Tragic LARPing past. Tag Dad. And I was just, what I was thinking is the the LARPing did kind of have its own tropes. Oh, so. Sure. Are you thinking about uh, Teddy Bear Malkavians? Teddy Bear Malkavians or, or. Also, random box of fish Malkavians. Yeah. I always wanted the Malkavians to be much more subtle and much more much realistic. More realistic. Less, wah ha ha ha, I am the Joker from the original Batman series, and more, they seem like perfectly normal, nice people. But there's this one thing where they're just. Yeah. yeah. Off kilter. Or, or, I never saw Or just maybe they're just depressed. They just have the depression. Right. Every Bruja wanted to be a, basically a. A raver punk. No, every Bruja I ever ran up against 
wanted to be Severin from Near Dark. Yeah. Severin, yeah. yes. They all. I mean, Who doesn't want to be severed well, from okay. your car? You're right, but there is one particular person There's from a our particular past brand, and I know exactly who you mean. Who went so far as to get the spurs to put on his motorcycle boots and would walk around clinking in them and then get caught on, like, carpet. Because <laughs> he didn't think it through. I, I never still have my spurs. You didn't wear them on carpet. No, it's true. I did wear them on a dance floor once, and I did use them to get rid of somebody that was trying to harass me. Excellent. So. I, I, you know, all all the all the venture came across as bad mafia dons, even more so than the Giovanni. Yeah, uh, venture. Yeah, well, you could tell the difference between the venture and the Giovanni because the venture all had walking sticks. I have not drank enough. Here, would this. you like some more of the absinthe? Well, in the end, and it goes kind of <laughs> drink, goes, drink, drink. I think this goes back to the original point of doing the whole episode. Which was? Which is... You turned into like a goth frat boy. Cha, cha, cha. You just took the teacup of absinthe out of my hand. Well, that you should went somewhere knock that back. Boy, my life. Yes. You were saying, getting back saying, to the point of the to, podcast. I, I mean... Woo! <laughs> the, the point being that, again, tropes provide sleep shorthand. well tonight. Yeah. Things Tro- are tropes, a shorthand. Tropes They're... provide shorthand. And, yes. And in something like that, where people are maybe trying to create characters who don't have the subtlety or creativity. It's right. easy to go to the tropes. Yes, and that's that's something that gets called out a lot as bad writing, especially in fan fiction circles, but I think it has a lot of value to it because you're already working as with known characters, with known settings, so mm-hmm. re- relying on tropes so you can get story points across efficiently, I think it's not a bad thing. Well, and I think there's also a value in, if you understand the tropes, mm-hmm. knowing when to subvert them. Yes. So, um... Crimson Peak, the heroine running down the stairs in the flowing nightgown uh-huh. with the candlestick. Thank yep. you. Yeah. All right. And it worked beautifully. They, you know, well, Garen Del Toro, but... Well, mm-hmm. man, I can't wait for that weight of water movie. Oh, the shape of water. The shape of water. The fish guy. The fish guy. He's going to get the girl. He is. <laughs> We're very happy about this. <laughs> Well, I know that, uh, I mean, kind of taking on a personal note, uh, we mentioned earlier in the episode we've got uh, the, 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 pod, the serialized podcast we're creating, and in writing it, one of the things we did was look at tropes and then go, how can we serve it? I know that uh, yeah. when Michael Montour read one of the scripts, uh, one of the first things he complimented me on was, was I ran straight at a trope in one of the episodes I wrote, and then... He said, and then you went in a direction I did not expect because you, you went against the normal what would happen well, in that's this what, scene. Also, it's kind of a funny, it's a comedy It podcast. is a comedy podcast. And that's what comedy is about. It's about setting you up for one thing and then giving you something unexpected. Yes. But you I, were staring at your phone But the other thing, the reason, uh, uh, but for the other example, and again, we, we keep skirting near this, let us pray. <sighs> let us praise ending is brilliant because it does the same thing. It takes you to a trope. You know exactly what's going to happen, and then the movie takes you 90 degrees and goes somewhere else. I have not seen it yet, but I know how it ends. I've heard about it. I've read a description of it. I will happily show it again. It is not being spoilered for me. I will happily watch it again. Yes. It is is like one of my feel-good movies. when, When you first showed it to us, 
I mean, you watched it and then you called me in absolute glee. And then you showed it that following Friday. And I, at the end of the movie, I immediately pulled out my phone, went on to Amazon. I'll be buying that. The Blu-ray is nine bucks. Awesome. The next night you showed it to Pete? Yes. And he was like, I get why you like this. I get why you like this. I, I would have liked, he wanted slightly more narrative twists to it. Hmm. He... So his their next movie has come out. Oh, is it? Um, and I remember people saying they liked it, but I can't remember their name. Hold on. I think one thing people listening to this podcast to take is we really like Let Us Pray. We it's really a, like Let Us Pray. But again, it's a it's that same thing. It it actually uses multiple tropes. Yes. Oh, uh, he's the one who directs the Lodgers. That's right. Well, I did know go. that. Yes. Well, yes. That's a good sign. And actually, a friend of mine was at Toronto International Film Festival, saw The Lodgers, and promptly on the message board wrong, was like, Jilly, Jilly, we found your new... Yes, I know you're this excited yours. about Shape yes. of Water, but... Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up, though, because tired. Because you're tired, because yeah. you, you weird early bedtime people, whatever. All right. It's so funny, because... <laughs> I Sarah's my day off, so I get yeah. to say that. Oh. But I, I am... It's so funny because I used to be such an insomniac. People used to just knock on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning because they're like, I couldn't get home. I knew you'd still be up. Yep. But I am like, I basically having my daughter kick started my brain for my sleeping. Except yeah. unfortunately now I have to go to sleep at the same time every night. And my life has been, my life. So in things that are great, like, my life with handsome boyfriend Jim is fantastic. My kid is fantastic. My managing a, a co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband is going really well. My friends, I love them. My job is rough. Yeah. As fuck. And, and when you invest nine hours of your day in something and it's gutting and stressful, like, you're just exhausted. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, it's hard because there's like some big parts of my life that are fantastic but I'm like literally last night we're watching Atomic Blonde and I paused it for a second and I'm like oh my god how much time do we have left and I looked and I'm like I'm so tired okay there's an hour there's an hour left and I'm so tired and I fucking looked over and it was 7.55 I kid you fucking not Ugh. and yeah. I'm like I thought it was much later because I'm so tired <laughs> And then the worst part was there was a couple things we had to do. Like I hadn't med- medicated my pooping cat Max, and, oh, of course he and he's he. We took the litter. He, he goes. That's what you said. He's using the litter box now. But, so oh, he's so like glad. he he isn't just going like when we lift the litter box off and he runs in. Like he's on his own volition and not running in fear from his butt, and like oh, and kind of casually going back and like so oh, maybe no, he was claustrophobic. I don't know, um, but. So there was a bunch of things we had to take care of before we went to sleep. And I was tired an hour before we started doing the things. I turned into a raging fucking asshole. I was like, I had to like message Jim this morning as he was at work and I was at work. And I'm like, I'm sorry that I was giant butthead that was really petulant and angry, but I was just really tired. (laughs) Whereas I've been trying to go to bed early for me. Lately, so you know, I've been I've been going to bed at like 
11.30, quarter to midnight. That's like going to bed at like 7 o'clock for I me. know, and yeah. I, I still stay up, you know, reading for like 45 minutes or an hour, and then I turn out the lights, and Pete goes immediately to sleep, and I lay there and look at the ceiling for like another two hours. So I'm starting to think that trying to go to bed early is just pointless. Didn't your doctor tell you that a couple years ago? Well, they were like, maybe if you could, you could start training your body a little bit to go to fall asleep earlier. And I'm like, yeah, but you just said that I'm not wired. Whatever, I'll try it. Um, Why not? I mean, now actually when I fall asleep, I stay asleep. So that's kind of awesome. Except when Pete's out of town and the cats start hammering at the doors randomly. And I don't know Mm. they know that trick. That was exciting. Cats are assholes. Anyway. What is that pounding noise at my door? It was a pleasure having all of you here. This was a great, I think it's a fantastic episode. It was very fun. All right. And, and, oh, I did want to say I am really sorry about there being a one-week delay, but I had a kiddo emergency. And uh, I can really only handle one big thing happening a night. And so I had a kiddo emergency on the night that I was supposed to record, and it just cleared the schedule of everything else. Totally understandable. So, yeah, boy, I I would really like to get a call from my daughter's school and not have that rush of adrenaline (sighs) of of things going horribly wrong. That's never going to happen. You're a parent. Probably not. But fortunately, she's okay, and it won't They do. I get them, and they're like, everything's okay. They, okay. They've learned. Because the, the thing is, the principal, there was another one that I got a call, and it was the principal. They're like, I am new to this position. I have learned in working for an elementary school. The first thing you say is, everything's okay. Yeah. Because unfortunately, I've gotten the calls where you hear your kids screaming in the background. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. No. I like it. Uh, I, have this, I, I start a lot of posts. Larissa and I have that now. <laughs> when something happened where it's, it could be rough news, you start with, all right, everyone's okay. We're all up. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. Anyway, talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye. 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 Don't read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtl podcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com/slash/don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and fiends about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>